everyone. Welcome back to another episode of TPA Tidbits, a Sentinel Pension podcast. My name is Melissa Torito, and I am the host of this podcast. And today I am joined by a lovely guest, Megan Crawford, who just did a little dance. <laughs> we are recording on Zoom. And uh, Megan is one of what I classify as my TPA buddies. <laughs> Thanks, Megan, for being here. Yes, I'm so excited to be on your podcast today. Thanks for having me. So I was thinking about it this morning and I actually have no idea when we first met and became official friends. Do you remember? I don't remember. I'm going to guess it was at a bar somewhere at okay. a women's conference. <laughs> That's fair. I was like, well, it did serve on a committee for that conference. So I think that was kind of like when we like sealed the deal on our friendship. Yes, that sounds right. <laughs> uh, all right. So Megan, tell our listeners um, what you do, where you're based out of, and a little bit about your firm. Okay. So, yep, I'm Megan Crawford, and I'm with Williams Benefit Consulting, and we are located in Quincy, Illinois, so good mid- Midwest firm here. Um, and we just celebrated our 40th anniversary. That's so kind of a big celebration. Yeah, we're really excited about it. Um, and so we're a TPA firm, just like Melissa. Um, we work in the small plan market. Um and we're just, you know, like everybody else, pension geeks. So, yeah. yeah. So, um, Megan and I could easily have an entire conversation for hours on 401k plans and probably use terminology that most people have no idea what it means, but we won't do that for the sake of this podcast. Um, we chatted yesterday and one of the, uh, things for lack of better words that we wanted to, um, provide some education on is, what business owners and HR managers, financial advisors, you know, what what do we need to, if something is going on in your company, and we're going to go through a couple of examples, when is it a good idea to let your TPA know? Basically, like, fill them in. What is that phrase? Spill the tea, <laughs> whatever that <laughs> phrase is, <laughs> with, with what's going on in your company. Because Megan had a couple of examples, and I'll, I'm going to start really quick, Megan. You know, one of the things that I always tell clients, and I'm going to say this over and over again because it keeps coming up, is if you're going through a merger or acquisition, if you're selling your business, if you're in talks of somebody of acquiring a company, if you're going to dissolve your entity and roll up and merge into a new entity, it is so crucial to let your TPA know, like draft an NDA, draft an NDA. I sign NDAs all the time. We are not going to go tweet it, but we need to know because there's certain transactions that basically limit your options after the transaction happens. I mean, have you seen that too, Megan, where it's like, oh, we bought a company like a year ago. Yes. And that's what I was going to just say. Tell your TPA before you close the deal. <laughs> Yes. So, yeah, we run into that a lot where we just, you know, we send out our annual data collection and we ask a question, did you buy or sell a company in the last year? And people are saying yes. And that's why we have it in there because we we weren't notified before. But just to your point, there's a lot of design work that can go on before the close of that sale that we can help you with. You know, are you trying to keep the current plan? Is the buyer trying to keep the plan? Are they trying to start a new plan? Do they already have a plan and they're going to merge your employees into that plan? We can help just kind of decipher all of that, go over the options, what you should be communicating to your employees through this process, um, and just and give you a more holistic view of it. Of it. 
Yeah, because I mean, truthfully, the nature of the beast is after that transaction happens, I can't tell you how many times a client has said, oh, well, we want to go ahead and terminate the plan. And if it's a stock sale, you're not terminating that plan after the transaction happens. Like there's not a lot, I always tell them, there's not a lot in black and white in the code <laughs> that we don't have to interpret. That is literally in black and white. There's really no getting around it. So that would be my number one, um, tell your TPA tip. Look at all that alliteration. Love it. Like drum roll. Let's do it again. Like, yes. Like, see, I'm laughing, today. but I don't know if other people would be laughing at it. I can, my, my two producers here are like chuckling a little bit. <laughs> so, all right. So Megan, go over some of the examples that we talked about that you are seeing in your firm. And just, again, this is more of just an awareness. Um, I don't think anybody intentionally doesn't want to tell the TPA. It's just not at the forefront of your mind, but there are just ramifications, repercussions, things that you can't unwind that, you know, if you don't in inform your TPA beforehand. So go ahead with some of your examples. Yeah. So one that we've just had come up in the last couple of weeks was, um, you know, tell your TPA if you switch payroll providers. So we're requesting annual payroll from the client every year. And, you know, we get this nice report and it just has, you know, year to date on it. And we're assuming you're giving us full payroll. We've even gotten a W-2 that ties out to the payroll report you handed me. But if you switch payroll providers mid-year, they probably issued you separate W-2s. They have their own payroll report that they probably, you know, issued you at some point. And we're not aware of any of that then. So it got caught on our end because obviously deferral deposits at the provider didn't tie out to the W-2 we had. So something was going on. So we're able to catch it. But again, that's something that we've got to go back. We're stopping the work that we have, you know, and that we're going forward, trying to get you contributions timely or do ADP testing. We've got to stop now, go back to you. And then you think, oh, yeah, we did have payroll for January and February with another provider. Let me get you that. We're rerunning everything again. So anytime you switch TPRM payroll providers, you know, just let us know when you're doing it. That way we have it in our system and we can remind you when we're getting our data collection at the end of the year, like, oh yeah, don't forget, you know, if you were with this one and you switched, make sure we get both reports. So that just helps kind of keep everything moving so we can keep it, you know, if your accountant's begging you for your contribution to the retirement plan right now, which they are, mm -hmm. um, you know, we're, you know, we're able to keep everything moving quicker for you. So. Yeah. And just to kind of piggyback on that. Um, and, and again, I do think that we have a lot of clients, you know, we have, we have great clients and they're very much compliant. So if we tell them that we need something, they're going to provide it. But I don't know if everybody really understands to why do we need this information? And we can, again, that, that could be a three hour podcast. So just a high level the, the bottom line is, and I tell people that start here and start in the TBA business, compensation is everything. It's everything. It is basically the, it is the baseline of what we do. So if we get the wrong compensation from the get-go, literally everything that we're doing is going to be wrong. And I'm really not trying to be dramatic, but everything that we're doing, is going to be wrong. And we're going to be dramatic. It is dramatic. <laughs> And then you just have to rerun it. And it's just, it's hard. It's a hard conversation to have. So, you know, uh, my recommendations here is yes, tell your TPA if you switch payroll companies. Also, confirm with the new payroll company. Some of them do import that historical data. So, if you switch in the middle of the year, they might issue one W 2. Confirm with them. Just keep, I mean, a simple email to your TPA switched from ADP to Paylocity in June. 80, you know, Paylocity has confirmed that we're going to just issue one W to. We have a filing system. I'm sure you do too. Make a note, you know, and it's just, 
And that way we're not, you know, like TPAs are basically accountants for retirement plans and always tell people this. So like if we get your W-2 information on an Excel file and it doesn't actually tie to your W-2s, we have a hard time just moving on. Okay. Like No, we, we can't. Physically <laughs> can't. We're like, it's not right. And everything's yeah. going to be wrong. So yeah. um, I think that that's a great, that's a great tip. Okay. What else you got? Cause you had a couple for me yesterday. Yeah. So the, um, another one that we've had come up is, um, you're going to go ahead and make a large deposit to your retirement plan and you didn't tell your TPI. So this could be, we've had it where we have, um, clients going to make profit sharing, large profit sharing deposits for partners. Um, they hurry up and do it at the end of December and they don't put anything in for the employees, not the end of the world, but they just, you know, if you pick random numbers, like we've got to make sure compliance testing works. So we'd really, if you want to fund the plan before the end of the year, great. Shoot me your year-to-date payroll. We'd love to run estimates for you. Make sure those numbers are really going to work so we don't have any kind of overfunding or now you just created a huge employee cost liability for mm-hmm. your new hire you didn't intend to do that for. Um, so love it if you want to fund your plan. Just tell us first and we can run those numbers, make sure what you're thinking is going to work or even get you some better numbers, maybe. So, yeah, because I mean, the reality is the average business owner that's running a business is not a TBA and they're not a TBA expert. And a lot of times the HR professionals, they might deal with the plan on a day to day basis, but the compliance testing is complicated. That's why TPAs have a job, you know? And so when somebody says, well, why can't this work? And then you got to explain to them, and I'm going to throw out an acronym here, but EBARS and like, this is why this isn't going to work. Like no business owner, a Johnny, you can't get the full contribution and not give anything to your employees. I get it. You funded it. I get it. You think everything's good to go. It's not. I will say though, uh, one of the, and this is just a, a recommendation that I have personally. So we do have some clients that really want to fund or pre-fund that profit sharing. And it's from a cash flow standpoint. I get it. I run a business. Megan runs a business. I get it. In a perfect world, you would just put that money somewhere else other than the plan for just a little bit, because Megan, you operate the same as me. If a client's emailing you in January and they've got their W-2s and everything ties out, we will turn that contribution around. And that way we can get into the plan. It's right from the get-go. It's depending on where your assets are held. It's not easy to move money around sometimes. Like some record keepers will think it's a distribution. It's not. I'm really just trying to move it from participant A to B or whatever. So it's really crucial. And when we find out, which I'm sure that y'all have on the back end, you're like running the computation and then you're looking at the deposits and you're like, hmm, money has already gone into that plan. <laughs> yes. And that one is a that one is definitely much harder to undo. Um, and especially if it's subject to gains and losses and we have to, you know, calculate all of that, it just becomes extremely complicated. Um, you know, like I always tell people we can do whatever, like Megan and I can calculate anything and we can get anything just depends on how much you want to pay us to do that at the end of the day, you know, because you did that. So, yeah. Okay. Any other examples? So uh, let's go back to e-bars because this made me think of one. So if you hired an employee that's older than you, the business owner, tell your TPA. <laughs> because when we're talking about making these contributions and EBAR, which no is not your Zoom happy hour meeting, that matters. Yeah. So if you've hired really any new employees, yeah, we're going to get that data at the end of the year. But if you're doing any kind of cross-tested allocations, 
let us know because it's not going to be the same allocation every year if you have a huge change in your employee census. So that's something else that's great to know ahead of time. Yeah. So cross-tested, we set up, I would say 99% of our plans like that. And so just to let the listeners, um, plan sponsors know what that means. That's our geeky term for basically saying that we can give, for lack of better words, business owners and other highly compensated employees, a larger contribution than you're giving the rank and file, but it all comes down to compliance testing. And so the E-bar is basically our nerdy term for what the value of that contribution would be at retirement. So the closer you are to retirement, the less time we have to project out. It's present our future value of money, time value of money. Um, and it's very interesting to me because I've been, how long have you been doing this, Megan? Mm, 14 years. Okay. So I'm right at 13. Megan's younger than me though. I don't think she had a, I don't think she was a teacher for four years prior to this. <laughs> no, like I, I skipped was. that step in my career path. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but it's still very interesting to me because like I've gained a certain amount of confidence and then I'll be talking to a client and I think I can run these computations in my head and I can get, you know, I can give them an idea, but yeah, sometimes it'll just be like one person that was hired and no knock against anyone that you're hiring that's older than you, but it really does affect the testing. And so the bottom line, when we're saying, we're saying all of this, tell your TBA so that you as a business owner, you're not blindsided. You're not thinking one thing. And whenever we get back to you, it's another, because that's really where the conflicts arise. It's all about communication and what you're trying to do. Um, the other thing to tell your TBA too, is if you're having us calculate a profit sharing contribution, typically most TBAs are going to look at the prior year as a starting point and maximize the business owners. And then uh, I keep wanting to say allocate, but I feel like that's also a very technical term, but calculate what the rank and file needs for the plan to pass testing. Well, if you're not thinking that for a certain year, tell your TPA at the very beginning, I'm thinking of a $50,000 contribution. We will, we will lose sleep over making sure that you're getting the best possible $50,000 spread that we can possibly do. But that saves a lot of frustration, you know, because I've, I sent a client, um, our contribution analysis report last week. And he was like, Oh man, I wasn't prepared for this. Like I have to do this. And it's like, well, for a profit sharing, no, you don't have to do that. You know? So let's figure out what you want to do. And it was a valuable lesson to me. I didn't realize this particular industry kind of has ups and downs in terms of their performance, their financial performance. And it, that, that was on me. And so I just told him, I said, look, next year, let's get on a call in January. You give me an idea of what you're thinking. That way you don't have like a panic attack when I send you this contribution report and you think you have to do it. Um, so that's another thing. If you have something in mind, um, let your TPA know. Um, the other thing that's super helpful is during the year, if you find out that you have made a mistake to the 401k plan, <laughs> Tell us. Tell us. It's okay. Just everybody does. But the sooner you tell us, the sooner we can fix it. So much easier to fix in the current plan year. So much easier to fix in the current plan year. You know, so um, that's the, those are kind of the, those are the kind of the top, I guess, errors that I see. Mm -hmm. Anything else, Megan? Because I have another topic okay. I wanted to bring up. Okay. Well, I do have one more. Go. I'm, I'm laughing, but also not laughing about. So 
we um, did some follow-up with people we haven't got census from today and uh, they let us know, oh, they didn't actually implement this plan and they went in another direction. Well, I have an executed document. Yep. I've had the same so thing. If you decided you didn't really want a 401k plan or whatever plan it was, tell your TPA. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It. Now I've got to get you to sign a termination resolution. Luckily it's a solo. So there's no funding obligations or anything like that. But it was just kind of like, you just, you signed all these documents and you didn't think you needed to come back and let me know. Um, you know, we've wasted a lot of time following up with you. So it's just, just kind of courteous. If you decided to go in another direction, no problem. Maybe they went with a sub or a simple, whatever it was, you know, that's fine, but you just, you got to let us know. So we're not forever following up with you now. Yeah. And the other thing is that those signed documents are legally binding documents, which is why we get all like, you know, in a tizzy whenever something like this happens. The other thing too, is if you're setting up a plan before the end of the year and you're trying to get it done before the end of the year, and you're giving people an opportunity to participate in the plan, make sure that you actually do that. And you have deposits go in. Cause if not, you're going to basically have $0 on a plan year. And then it's like, we don't know if we should file 5,500. We've got this document, you know, the enrollment meetings didn't get, um, didn't have whatever it may be. So again, it's really about communication. And this goes to our financial advisor audience as well, communicating with the TPA. Um, so the last thing I wanted to bring up, and this keeps coming up, and this is pretty fresh on my mind. So Megan and I, Megan, you, you are not an investment advisor, are you? No. Okay. Me neither. I stay in my lane. Okay. I like, I, I basically uh, invest in a good old target date fund because it's like easy. I'm one of those people. So I'm not an investment advisor, but I, you know, I'm not living under a rock. I know that the market definitely did not have a good year in 2022. I mean, when we're reconciling plan assets, I'm seeing losses similar to 2008, maybe worse. Um, That that was when we were both young, (laughs) Megan. (laughs) Those were the days. But the other thing, the other thing that I'm I'm noticing is cash balance plans. Okay. Now I don't have an actuary on staff. We do outsource that, but I have felt like clients, when we set up these cash balance plans, it looks amazing. And they are there. I'm not, they are, this is a great vehicle to save taxes and to sock away some extra money for retirement for business owners, but you are subject to market gains and losses. And with a year like 2022, I personally don't think it doesn't matter how conservative you were. I mean, unless you were basically in cash, which is probably not a good investment vehicle, but you're going to have some losses and your cash balance plan is more than likely going to be underfunded. And so I find that where the cash balance plans might be easier for people to understand if anybody has one, the reporting, you know, looks very similar to the defined contribution reports that Megan and I send to clients. Like here's a column for profit sharing. Here's a column for cash balance. But, and again, I learn about cash balance all the time. Like I said, I'm not an actuary. I know enough to talk about it, but I've just had some clients that are like, oh, well, no, no, I funded what was on that report. And I'm like, yeah, but this plan has to be evaluated. And we got losses of $200,000 that you might not necessarily be required to do for 2022. I've noticed the minimum required funding. Apparently that interest rate isn't quite as high. And so, but your plan is still underfunded. And so to me, where that's going to come into play is if you've had the plan for some time, 
you know, you really need it for at least five years and you want to terminate the plan. You're really not going to get out of that underfunding. And there's some options for you there. It's just that sticker shock. I've had to just make that call with clients and I'm sweating the entire time because it's just a nerve wracking call. But just remember a cash balance plan is very similar to a defined benefit plan. There is going to be a liability and typically you're going to be overfunded or you're going to be underfunded. It's really hard to get that perfect, you know, perfect balance. Um, but what we're looking for is to try not to be too uh, too big overfunded or too much underfunded. But last year, I just think it was unavoidable. I was, I'm wondering if you're seeing kind of the same thing, Megan, that was, a, that was long winded. Yeah, <laughs> that's okay. That's how we work. We operate yeah, long winded. Um, yeah, we are too. And, and we did just have a similar conversation with a client. Um, luckily it was not anywhere near the six figure mark for their underfunding part of their uh, loss last year. But, you know, they do, they think, oh, well, we've got to terminate this thing. I can't afford to keep up with that type of contributions and all of that. And, and I think this is something just, you know, good service providers are going to walk them through. Okay. If you want to terminate, here's what that looks like. But you have to remember, this is a giant tax deduction. And even though you're underfunded, you, you do get to put more in. Um, so that's another tax deduction you're getting and all of that. So it's, there are certainly things that we want to walk through with the clients in those instances. And it's like the perfect flip of like what your TPA should tell you. We need a follow-up to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, exactly. But it is, it's a hard conversation that, you know, it's, it's always hard to tell a client, Hey, we need you to shell out another, you know, $50,000 or a hundred thousand dollars, whatever it is. And especially when we're in such a soft economy right now, anyway, it's hard to just come up with cash as, as much as we like to say it grows on trees. We all know it doesn't. Right. It's their hard money. And so it is hard to have those conversations, but it's definitely a year that we're doing that with a lot of our clients. So. Yeah. And again, there's not these options to really get out of it, but there's options to not necessarily have to fund it right away and prepare for when you might have to fund it. Again, I mean, I highly rely on the financial advisors on those plans to talk them through what's going on. So in that particular case, most of the time, the TPA is working with the actuary. And so really, that's on us to make sure that the financial advisor on the plan is aware of what's going on. They might have an idea because they've seen the statements. But again, unless they're an actuary, they're not going to know the exact valuation. So um, and again, the market's going to have ebbs and flows just like it always does. I think really when it's crucial is if you're thinking about terminating that cash balance plan, it's cash balance plan. Again, I'm pretty sure you can't just say in November that you want to go ahead and terminate the cash balance plan. I mean, you probably, you, you could, but you're still going to have a liability. And so I do think that's right. a misunderstanding, even with the 401k plan. Sometimes, you know, we get um, clients that are retiring and they're selling and they're just ready to close down that 401k plan. And I'm like, it's going to be like a three month process for us to do that. We still have to finish out the year. Most of the time you're going to have to fund a safe Harbor. If the owner pre-funded anything, you're going to have to go back and fund something. So it is not a, I've had somebody tell me that they're like, well, I told you I wanted to terminate it November 15th and it's January 3rd and it's not done. I'm like, it doesn't happen overnight. It's not like closing down a checking account. It's just not. Right. So, right. Um, so yeah, so those are kind of like high level things in terms of, um, the TPA. And again, Megan, you send this out too on your year end questionnaire. And I know, like I always joke with people that 11 months out of the year, I feel like our clients just love us. We're just a great TPA and we do so much for them and we help them out. January, not so much, not so much liked in January because it is a lot of data. Yeah. We're aware it's a lot of data, but it's similar to, even though we're not actually doctors, but it's similar to going to a doctor's office and 
filling out a form, like, and I hate doing that. Right. I'm like, why do you have to ask me 25 questions? Like, and why am I writing my name? Like you clearly have that. (laughs) Right. I'm writing my name over and over and over again on each top page of each of the form. Okay. But it really is the cleaner, the data that we get on the front end, the more, the more information we have on that year end questionnaire, it really helps. And really it's, it's an, it's an annoying task. Like, I'm not going to say it's not an annoying task. It's like when you try to file for life insurance and they want like everything about you, right. And you have to go find everything, but you know, make sure you list the owners, make sure you list the relatives, make sure you list people that are officers in your company. All of this can have an effect on the plan. And I I do joke and it comes off very sarcastic, but like, I really am not asking these questions because I'm bored. (laughs) No. And like, yes, we do need the answers. I have a lot of I've had clients say, well, why do you need that? Or I don't give that to you. I'm like, but you do. (laughs) I get this all the time when I ask how somebody is taxed. The number one answer I get is that I'm an LLC. And I'm like, yep, that's not what I mean. But anyway, so then we get there and sometimes I've gotten, well, you don't do my taxes. Why do you need to know? Again, it goes back to compensation. We're really not trying to be nosy. Same thing with the mergers and acquisitions. So Mm -hmm. um, I just think having a good relationship with your TPA um, really makes your life a lot easier. So definitely use one that you like and that you trust, you know, that's my quasi sales pitch. Um, but hopefully this is helpful. If you've already gone through that, your 2022 planning, that's great. These are some things to think about moving forward with the plan. Um, and I think that's about it. what do you think, Megan? Yeah. The only other thing I was going to say, that's kind of a fun. Tell us is if you have questions, tell us. Like we said, we love geeking out on pension stuff. So if you have a question, no matter how dumb you think it is or how small you think it is or how insequential you think it is, ask us. We love answering questions. We love servicing our clients. Um, you know, as much as Melissa and I like to sit here and play in Excel, we also like talking to people. Yeah. So <laughs> we're kind of so weird. We're weird TPAs. So we love talking to people. No, I'm just kidding. I do love me a good Excel file, but you're right. And that I do, it's interesting that I find that, TPAs do have to kind of be like teachers, you know, um, I have two other teachers working for me right now in our TPA division and they, you know, because we, we like to explain things again, we don't want to bore you to tears, but we need you as a business owner or an HR manager or firm administrator to know what's going on and know your options so that you're, it's just, it's, it's again, it's not the doctor, but it's like going to the doctor and listening to your options, you know, and being educated about the plan. So anyway, listeners, check out Megan Crawford in uh, Quincy. How many people, how many people live there, Megan? We're about 40,000. Oh, okay. More than I thought. thought it was like 500. (laughs) No, we don't ride horses to work or anything. We do have horse yards. Do you have an airport? We do have an airport. Oh, okay. Do you fly out of it? Um, sometimes. Okay. Yeah, we go two places: St. Louis and Chicago. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, Baton Rouge, we go Dallas, Houston, Atlanta. That's about it from Baton Rouge. So yeah. I drive to New Orleans. So how how big is Baton Rouge? Uh, I don't know, Lainey, Holly. They're in the background. Does anybody know? Like. Four- 400,000. Oh, so like really big. Yeah. So like, yeah, Metro, like the city of Baton Rouge, I think it's 400,000. And then we've kind of got like suburbs, right? Ish about a million people after that. And then New Orleans is much bigger. That's about an hour away. That's where we had that conference. So I do drive there when I go to DC, I typically am going to drive to New Orleans because there's a direct flight to DC, which is weird. It's only two hours. And I feel like it seems like it would be such a, a longer flight since we're so far South, but it's really just not. So 
Yeah. Anyway, thank you so much, Megan. It was so yeah, good. Thanks for having you me. And being a guest. Um, Megan and I also were on a TPA kind of like study group, round table group together too. So um, I don't really know what I would do without these TPA buddies of mine. We, speaking of questions, we ask each other a lot of questions. <laughs> if you're doing alliteration, we got to do your TPA tribe. Yes. But I'm thumb. Megan, look at this. No, You're I on your it. way to starting I your own podcast. It's <laughs> amazing. All right. Well, we hope everyone has a great week. And again, thank you so much, Megan. Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye.